Hey there, welcome back to the Fitness Empowerment Podcast, where today we're talking about the Pop-Tart problem. Okay, <laughs> can't even say it with a straight face. Oh my goodness. Hey you guys, my name is Danny. If you are new here, welcome. If you're not, welcome back. I'm your host and I'm here to talk about ways to increase your energy, decrease your stress, and save you time when it comes to your fitness, health, and lifestyle. And we've been on a nutrition kick for a little bit now, which is amazing, especially because in quarantine, while you may be limited on your exercise options, keyword there, maybe, <laughs> you still have to eat, right? So it's been fun to discuss some of this, you know, processed versus unprocessed foods and whole foods versus not whole foods. Um, and we're gonna continue on with that today, specifically talking about what we might refer to as the Pop-Tart problem. And let's be honest, I don't even know if it's fair to say that we have a Pop-Tart problem or that Pop-Tarts cause weight gain or that they're healthy or they're not, or they're not good for you or they shouldn't be consumed by anybody. So there's a lot of accusations and assumptions about Pop-Tarts and in general processed foods. So I wanna talk about those today and I wanna bring in some evidence-based research to back up what I'm talking about. I definitely have personal opinions on this, and I'm going to share those with you towards the end of the pop, the end of the pop tart, the end of this episode. <laughs> but first, I want to share with you a little bit about where I'm getting my information from, and some of the objective key points, thoughts, and takeaways from the research and the article that I reviewed. So first off, the I want to provide an overview of this article from what's called the Monthly Application of Strength Sport, or MASS, as an acronym. And the article is called The Pop-Tart Problem, Processed Foods and Overeating. So where did the researchers get the idea to review for this article? So this article was written by Eric Helms. He has a PhD, he's incredibly smart and all the, all the gentlemen who work on MASS are just, way smarter than me. So I'm super glad that they are the ones reviewing the actual research and then creating review articles on them. And then I just have to review the review article, right? So they're, they're taking a whole lot of medical science terminology that maybe I'm not familiar with and breaking it down so that I can then further break it down for you guys listening. Because um, this article was no short article. It was, I think, 13 pages. So, well, I don't know. I guess that's relative to what kind of articles you read, but I'm gonna hopefully break this down in about 10 minutes or less so that you don't have to go read the article or go into PubMed and try to understand everything that they're talking about. So that being said, I'm also gonna put links below to MASS, so the Monthly Application of Strength Sport. They do, I think, about eight to 10 different reviews, review articles monthly and you can get a subscription to it. So I highly recommend it if you think that this information is um, just fascinating. And sometimes it's about workouts, sometimes it's about lifestyle, sometimes it's about nutrition and supplements. So lots of different avenues for you to check out with that. And I'm going to link to Eric Helm's Instagram as well. That way, if you wanna connect with him and see other things that he's working on or sharing, then you can do that. Of course, I will have my social media linked in the show notes for this podcast as well. Okay, let's see. Okay, so the particular article we already said, written by Eric Helms, 
I've got, I've got the article printed out next to me and I have notes, four pages of notes that I took on my computer. So I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between things right here to get you guys the best info. But Eric Helms, um, so I recently watched a webinar for the Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind that he ran, and it was focused on the topic of research and how to interpret it in today's day and age. So I'm really grateful that he's part of a team that's breaking down these studies so that I can better interpret them for you and just make better use of this information to implement into my training and coaching techniques. So the study reviewed was actually called the the titles and the names for these research studies are very lengthy. So it was called Ultra Processed Diets Cause Excess Calorie Intake and Weight Gain, an Inpatient Randomized Control Trial of Ad Libitum Food Intake by Hall, uh, Hall et al. in 2019. So this was done in 2019. I guess they want to tell you exactly what's going to be in there. So it's a lengthy title. Okay, key takeaways. Really, this wasn't about Pop-Tarts, okay? I'm sorry to break it to you. Maybe there were Pop-Tarts done in the study, but I didn't see anything specifically about Pop-Tarts. It wouldn't surprise me if they were actually in there. But there were 20 adults that were presented with either an unprocessed or an ultra-processed diet for a two-week period of time. So they did two weeks of one, and then they switched to two weeks of the other. These two different diets were evenly matched for energy, macronutrients, so your fats, your carbs, and your proteins, energy being your calories, sugars, fats, and fiber. The difference was that the participants could consume the entirety of the food available to them, like, or presented to them ad libitum. Y'all had to look this up. Basically, it means as much as you want. <laughs> so um, 10 males, 10 females, 20 people total approximately 30 to 33 years of age at a BMI of approximately 27. For those of you who aren't familiar, a BMI of 27 is typically considered to put someone in the overweight category, but not quite the obese category. Now, each person received three meals a day and they had 60 minutes to eat per meal. Um, they also had snacks available to them all day long. Each person received three meals per day, um, extra snacks whenever they wanted, with 60 minutes to eat per meal and this totaled up to a max consumption of up to 3900 calories per day y'all that's almost double what nutrition fact labels will recommend for the average person i i can't even fathom eating 1300 calories per meal three times per day I mean, maybe you can, I, I cannot. Even on days where I go overboard and crazy, I, I can't, honestly, let's be honest. <laughs> if I'm going overboard, I'm not tracking it. However, there are days where if I eat 2,000 or 2,200 calories a few days in a row, I am so full that maybe the second or third or fourth day, I'm like, I, I only need 1,000 calories today. I am full. So uh, I know everybody operates differently. Most of the clients I work with, they are usually way under that amount. Like most females that I start working with are somewhere between 1,200 and maybe 16 or 1,700 calories. Um, like before we start to either reverse diet or diet them, most of my male clients are maybe between 1,800 and 2,200 calories. And it totally depends. It absolutely depends. But I just think that was very interesting. I just personally feel like that's a lot of calories. So did you know 
that there's actually a classification system for processed versus unprocessed foods. So it's called NOVA, N-O-V-A. I'm going to put a link to the show notes here. I had no idea what this was until I read through this study. So I thought that was very interesting. And as a side note, I'll link to my last podcast episode, which was all about the 80-20 rule when it comes to processed versus unprocessed foods. And I have a free PDF download worksheet linked to that episode to help you figure out how much processed versus unprocessed food you're eating in your daily intake. So definitely check that out in the show notes. So that was just a little side note there. Okay, so the half of the group that was on the processed diet ended up eating 500 calories more per day than when on the unprocessed diet. And they also ended up increasing body mass and fat mass from their baseline measurements on the processed diet while they lost body fat and fat mass during the unprocessed portion. Now, a side effect to think on for the weight loss versus weight gain in this study, I think they well, they talk about this a little bit in the review, is the thermic effect of food. So different macronutrients, your fats, your carbs, and your proteins require more or less energy depending by the body to break down in the digestion process. So in thinking about processed foods, they are likely to be more palatable and more condensed and easier in a sense for your body to digest and process. So a lot of the digestive work has been taken away from our bodies having to do that work. So we're not burning as many calories in the digestion process of, um, pro- of processing the processed food. So just food for thought as to one reason why um, you're, it's easier to eat more for the processed food diet. Let's see, next key point is the participants ate processed foods faster than they did the unprocessed foods and their satiety hormone increased while the hunger hormone ghrelin decreased compared to the baseline period during the unprocessed diet. So overall, processed foods were overconsumed in comparison to unprocessed foods in this study and their review, you know, shares a few different reasons. So we talked about one already, but they're eaten faster. So it's, if food's more palatable, if it's easier to to digest, you're going to just naturally eat it faster. Um, Number two is participants had less time to suppress their appetite with the satiety hormones. So again, if they're eating foods faster, then they can consume more food on the processed diet before that satiety hormone kicks in than they would on the unprocessed diet. Number three, processed foods are more calorie dense versus nutrient dense. So it requires the participants to eat more food or intake more caloric energy to intake the same volume or mass of food. So all three of those things really go together, but just interesting and I, I you know you know these things and it makes sense but we just don't always think about them and marketers are smart I mean they know how to get us to grab the things off the shelves that they want to sell I mean they're really good at what they do clearly and it's also something that they discussed in the study is processed food unfortunately I mean or fortunately I'm not really sure I guess it depends on the person is it was they rated it about 50% less expensive so it is cheaper more often than not to purchase processed food than unprocessed whole foods, which is just bananas because you could probably 
you know, I don't, it just makes more sense to like grab fresh fruit and it didn't have to go through any process. So that seems like it should just be easier. Um, I don't know. So weird. So weird. Okay. So I want to just talk about my thoughts personally and maybe some application for this information. I like Pop-Tarts. Let's be honest. They're good. They're tasty. I, I like them whether they're homemade or whether they're, you know, the Kellogg's Pop-Tart brand. <laughs> but I could not even tell you the last time I bought a Pop-Tart. I really don't know. It's been quite some time. So if they're around and I'm looking for something that I'm trying to fill up my calories and carbs and fats with, then yeah, I'll probably eat one. But I think the, because I've tracked my nutrition for such a long time, it's been four four and a half years now that I've been tracking my nutrition, I just, I, in general, I know that Pop-Tart's not going to give me a ton of energy and it's not going to keep me full for a very long period of time. So if I'm weighing out my options for, hey, what's going to fuel my body best and what's going to get me through the next few hours, what's going to give me some brain fuel or what's going to fuel my workout better, it's pretty easy to pick something other than a Pop-Tart. Um, and... I don't know. It's, I think a pop tart or, well, actually, you know, everybody's got their, everybody's got their thing, right? If I'm going to have something that's a little bit higher calorie, higher sugar content, higher fat content, I'm probably going to go for chocolate, probably going to go for a Reese's, probably going to go for a donut. Yeah. Ice cream. And even then, if I had the option to go for something savory, that's high carb, high fat over something sweet, I'm probably going for something savory. Like pizza is my favorite food group. Do I have it all the time? No, but if I have the option, more often than not, I want that pizza. <laughs> so I guess maybe the next question to think about is, should you have this in your diet? Is it okay to have Pop-Tarts or processed foods? I think the answer is, it depends. Probably for most people, it's okay. Should you have it all the time? Should your diet consist of nothing but processed foods? No, I think that is a big misstep. However, I also have known people in the past who are the ectomorph body type, and if they try to eat whole nutrient-dense foods all day, they lose weight because it's just not enough like calorie density to for them to keep up their body weight, and it becomes exhausting trying to eat as much food as their body needs to eat. So they do eat a lot more processed food than than I would or maybe you would because they they know they've got to get a certain calorie intake in per day. And if you think about how many, how, you know, fast you can eat a Pop-Tart versus how fast you can eat a bowl of salad, you know, that they might be the same macronutrient intake and calorie intake, but it's going to be a lot faster to wolf down one or two Pop-Tarts than it is for a whole salad. So I think it depends on the person. I think it also depends on your goals. So if you're doing a reverse diet, if you're in a phase where you've been dieting for a while or you've just been in a long-term caloric deficit and you're no longer losing weight or you want to gain weight, you want to gain some lean muscle mass and you want to do it strategically, then I think finding, you know, you're adding in calories every week, you know, strategically. And so you might need to find some things like a Reese's peanut butter cup or a pop tart or something to throw in there because you've just got to get enough food in to build lean muscle mass and to put on some size. This is really important for a lot of athletes. If you, I mean, if you're in the off season, 
I'm not saying that you need to just bulk and eat nothing but processed foods, but that's kind of the better time to focus on, hey, I've got a little bit more leeway right here. Not saying you're throwing out your strategy, but that's a space where it's a little bit easier to have some fun with the foods and add in a few extra things here and there like a Pop-Tart. So everybody, it just depends on the person. I mean, I've got some clients that probably wouldn't ever want to touch a Pop-Tart because they know they stare. Of course, this doesn't really happen, but you know, they quote unquote, they stare at high sugar, high fat foods and they gain weight. You know, that's not exactly the case, but it is a lot easier for some people to eat these things and have an adverse effect to them. So just food for thought. I, uh, I think I'm gonna end this conversation here. I think this article is fascinating. I highly recommend if you are interested in research, but you're not exactly sure how to go through and you know read through PubMed articles and you want somebody else to kind of do the research for you, but then you wanna learn about it, then I, I highly recommend you check out Mass, the monthly application of Strength Sport. Again, I'll put the links in the show notes below if you wanna to subscribe to it. This is not sponsored by them or anything. I don't have a discount code for you but I just think it's really valuable information. Honestly, it's more information than I can handle every month. I kind of choose one or two articles that interest me and I dive into them and then I want to share them with you guys. But they put out about eight plus articles a month to review some of this research. So that's where I'm going to end things today. Pop-Tart problem. I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you, do you consume Pop-Tarts? Do you not? You know, what, what are your thoughts on the processed food? And, you know, do you think it's something that people should keep in their diet or really keep away from. Um, just share with me your open and honest thoughts. I think there's no right or wrong answer here. I think it's very individual. So let me know. I want to hear from you on Instagram. You can DM me or post a comment in one of my recent pics um, at Danny Phillips. And also, if you are looking for workouts to do while you're at home and you love this nutrition information, you want something to pair with it, I've been posting up about two plus workout videos on my YouTube channel every week. So you can check that out. It's youtube.com slash Danny Phillips. And um, they're pretty much gluten ab focused because that's what I like to do. I like to focus on my legs and my glutes and I really like to focus on maintaining my six pack of abs. So if that interests you at all, please check out my YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. Let me know what you do. Enjoy. So have a wonderful rest of your day. You might be hearing this on Saturday, which is when I'm recording this. It's gorgeous outside in Northwest, Northwest Louisiana, but maybe you're listening to it later. So I hope you are happy and healthy and safe wherever you are. And um, just cheers to an awesome rest of your weekend. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye for now.